0: There are many women who have uh, prayed and literally have changed the story. Some of us are here this morning. Our story has been changed because there were certain ladies in our lives, in particular a lot of us, our moms, who prayed for us and taught us the right things so that we could know the story of Christ and that our lives would intersect with His life and somehow our story would be changed. And that's what we celebrate today, that there are so many who have that same testimony. Gabe, I thank you for sharing that testimony. And for those of us who are here today who are able to honor our mothers or remember our mothers in that sense of honor, I think we ought to be grateful. My mom was one of those individuals. Uh, She wasn't a saint by any means, and she would tell you that, but she taught me about the Lord Uh, She made sure that I was in church every Sunday. Somebody heard a a few weeks ago that I mentioned that I had a drug problem when I was younger because she drugged me to church every time the doors were open. And I literally mean mean that when I would get up on Sunday morning and I would feel like, hey, I'm I'm sick, Mom. She said, really? I said, yes. And she said, prove it. Well, I would get sick then to prove it probably. And she'd say, now, don't you feel better? We're going to church now. Just kind of the way it was. She prayed many of us. We had moms who were like that If you didn't let me just say to you You as individuals fathers mothers, you can be those kinds of folks You can be those kinds of folks right now All of us should be people who consistently pray We should be people who persist in our prayers I'm going to close our sermon series on prayer this morning And let me just say that God has really spoke to me through this And I hope and pray that he's spoken to you as well. But as we close this morning, I don't know a better way to come on Mother's Day in particular and talk about persistence in prayer. Actually, I just want to say to you today that we just need to keep it up. We need to keep praying. I want you to take your scripture and I want you to look at the gospel of Luke. Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11 verses 5 through 8 is where we'll... Specifically begin today and then we'll look at verses 9 through 13 in a moment But dr. Luke as he's writing his gospel He focuses us a lot on prayer as a matter of fact. It's one of the emphases that you will find in this book Dr. Luke in particular will tell us about jesus and about his prayer life And here in chapter 11 We have the model prayer for us. We have the lord's prayers. We've studied it Back in January, how long ago was that? Leslie looked at me the other day and she said, I'm going to tell you, Reggie, when you first started out and you said you were preaching on prayer for five months, I thought we were in trouble. <coughs> it's good to have a wife 'll just be honest with you, right? <laughs> I didn't know how exactly you were going to do it, but how we were able to focus on so many different areas. And remember, when we started this back in January, we talked about the model prayer, the Lord's Prayer. In Luke chapter 11... Begins with that we really see where his disciples asked Jesus to teach them They've noticed something about his life and something about his prayer life in particular. He gives them this model prayer And then he follows it up in verse 5 by teaching a lesson about persistence about continuing to pray Continuing to go before the father listen to, to the way Jesus frames this as he gives us this story he said to them, Which of you shall have a friend and go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine has come to me on his journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within and say, Do not trouble me. The door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give to you. I say to you, though he will not rise and give to him because he is his friend, yet because of his persistence, He will rise and give him as many as he needs. So Jesus teaches his disciples about how they should pray, how they should approach the Father. And then he says to them that that somehow we need to persist in our prayers. He teaches them that by giving them this story. It may seem like a strange story to us. I mean, somebody traveling through town to show up at your house at midnight. That seems so strange, so different from our own experiences. But in the New Testament age, especially in the Middle Eastern area, a lot of people would travel at night because it was the best time to travel. You didn't have to deal with the Middle Eastern heat. You didn't have to deal with the sun. Many of them would travel. So this is not just abnormal. What is abnormal is that this guy is not prepared to host, to show hospitality, to this one who is passing through. And he knows this is a big issue. Hospitality in the New Testament age was a core value. I mean, it was up there on the rating scale of how you were judged in your character. You wanted to make sure that you were hospitable to anybody who came into your house. Now, many of you are like that. Many of you have that sense of hospitality about you. One of the things I love about pastoring in the South, well, one is... You don't make fun of my accent. I love that. But the other part is that you get to go in people's homes and people, for the most part, are hospitable here in the South. I remember when I was pastoring down in Picayune, I would go out and I would visit people and they would always ask me, Hey, you you want a Coke? You want a cup of coffee? You, you want some cookies. I think we've made something. Some people would keep cakes and that kind of stuff. And I mean, it was, look, it was incredible. I finally found Dumas Wise Road. If you're ever in Picayune, you want to go down Dumas Wise Road. Why? Because the child's family lives there. And if you go to the child's family home, if you go pull up to that house and you walk in, I guarantee you they'll have something for you. I mean, you know these kind of people. They'll have something for you, like a Coke or a a cup of coffee. And they'll have something to eat. And what I love about it in particular is they force you to. (laughs) I mean, I would go up there. Some of my deacons later in the week said, Hey, we saw you going up Dumas Wise today. Where were you headed? I said, You know where I was headed? If y'all treated me that nice, I'd come up your road as well, you know? I would go there and Miss Lorraine would come and, and, and look, after I'd been there for just a few months, she knew exactly what I needed and she would set before me a cup of coffee and a lemon icebox pie. <laughs> it was heavenly. It was awesome. She, and, and they would force you, whatever they had. I mean, if somehow I made a surprise visit. Now, she started just cooking lemon icebox and having them there all the time in case I would drop by. But just in case, I came in unexpectedly... She would, she would have something, and, and we called him Grandpa, Mr. Grover. He, he would force you to eat. Oh, no, I'm not doing well today. I'm not, you know, I'm good. No, Brother Reg, you need to eat something. You need to keep up your strength. Well, if you're really twisting my arm, hand me that cookie right now. Or <laughs> Leslie will tell you I gained 40 pounds in the first four years of our marriage because of Pine Grove Baptist Church. And the child's in particular. As a matter of fact, I thought my marriage and my ministry was on the rocks at one time. If I kept going in that direction. But you've met people who are hospitable. In the New Testament age, hospitality was a core value. That was part of who you were. It was part of your character. So here this guy comes in the middle of the night. Again, just an average guy, friend who is passing through town. He stops. And this one guy, you, let's say you, you were unprepared. So what did you do? You went to your friend's house, you knocked on the door, and you asked if you could borrow three loaves of bread. Just three loaves. If you had three loaves, you could make it. You knock on the door, and your friend comes. And he says, I can't. I can't unbolt this door. There's no way I can do this. Now, most of you would answer the same way. I know you're saying, oh, no, I'd let them borrow any But listen, somebody showed up at your house at midnight. I'm not sure what you would let them borrow at that point. I mean, most of us, we don't like noises after 10 o'clock at night, right? One night, Leslie and I were lying in bed, and all of a sudden, I heard something. And I just lay there. I didn't want to say anything to her. I just I didn't want to have to get up myself and go see what it was, so... I just lay there. And I heard it again. A few minutes she said, Reggie, do you hear that? And I said, yes, be quiet. <laughs> she said, why? I said, they might hear you. They might go away if they don't think we're here. Leave them alone. <laughs> we don't like strange noises at night. We don't like people to awaken us. But here this friend comes and he knocks on the door at midnight. And he says, I just need to borrow three loaves. That's all I need. Three loaves. Again, the guy says, I can't unbolt the door. My kids are here. They're obviously all sleeping in the same room. The mats are there. The the kids are sleeping. I, I can't wake them. If I unbolt this, it is going to bother them. But notice what Jesus says Jesus says that this guy persists, he knocks, he continues you ask he continues to plead he does not want the shame of his inhospitality to be demonstrated he asks for the bread and here the scripture says that because of his persistence his friend actually unbolts the door and provides for him all that he needs Why don't we keep on praying? Let me suggest two truths to you this morning, okay? We keep on praying because we have need. We keep on praying because we continue to have need. Why did this individual continue to pound on the door? Why did this individual continue to insist that his friend would help him? It is because he had need. It's because there was nothing else he could do. Listen, Super One was closed. Walmart was closed. There was no store for him to run out and find the bread. He was dependent upon this friend to help him. And that is the reason he persisted. He had a need. And he continued to ask for help. We continue to ask because we recognize we have needs, we have a need. Isn't it amazing how a need can focus our attention? How a need can help us to refine our thoughts and our desires? How a need can speak to our hearts? A sense of need creates or should create an earnest desire within us a desire for Him, a desire for something to happen. That's all we can talk about if if that's what's on our mind. That's all we can speak about Our need right Those of us who have faced maybe some pressing needs You go out and you have conversation with other people But down deep, it's like you're always thinking About that need It won't leave you alone It's always there Oh, you can put on the face and you can have a conversation with other people, but you know where your heart is. Your heart is bound by that need. And really, if you were given true liberty, all you'd want to talk about would be that need. Because that's what's on your heart. That's what's on your mind. When this friend goes to borrow three loaves, his need is driving him it is driving his purpose. It is, it is focusing him upon what is most important. He is knocking. He is persisting because he has this need. I say to you that when we recognize our need and we go before God, we'll just keep praying for that need. If that desire is there, It's kind of like coming before him and just wrestling with him. It's almost the picture of Genesis 32 where Jacob just grabs onto God and he will not let go. It's as though he he just says, you must bless me. I am not going to release you until I experience the blessing that cannot come only through you. I'm going to say to you that we need to have prayers like that. Prayers, we go before God and we just grab on to him and say, God, this is our need. And just continue to persist, continue to ask, continue to pray, continue to cry out. Out of that need. E.M. Bound said, He who does not push his plea does not pray at all. Cold prayers have no claim on heaven and no hearing in the courts above. Fire is the life of prayer, and heaven is reached by fiery persistence, rising in an ascending scale. In other words, what God wants to see in our hearts is a passionate desire that is persistent in our pleas before Him. Is that not what He's saying? He is saying that this individual persisted in his prayers. Verse 8. It says, yet because of his persistence. Actually, the English word there, persistence, is the Greek word, and I want to get this right, which means a lack of sensitivity to what is proper. Insolence, audacity, impotence, shamelessness. Lou and Ida, who I recognize as Greek scholars, they would translate this, as because he lacks a sense of what is proper. God rewards him because he lacks a sense of what is proper. Now think about I mean that seems so strange. What does that mean? What does it mean that God rewards this guy who is not caught up in the proper methods of the day? You know what I've realized? It's when you recognize that you have a need that only God can touch. You're not really concerned about the day's etiquette. All you're concerned about is crying out to God. You're not concerned about the social norms. You're not concerned about what is culturally acceptable. What you're concerned about is going before God. Even if it, brought, even if it seems to break all social protocol... All you want to do is go before God and cry out to him. I was challenged when I looked, looked at that word and when I worked through the scripture. I mean, basically, the guy comes, let, let's say, shamefully to the door and knocks at midnight. He breaks the protocol of the day because he has need. We, as as the people of God, need to recognize that we have needs before him. Instead of being caught up with the day's etiquette, the social norms, the protocols of the day, we should just be caught up in who he is and how he can answer our prayers. Let me say this. I believe personally that professionalism is killing the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And what do I mean by that? Well, let me affirm to you that I believe in excellence in all that we do. I believe that God has called me as I stand to preach to do it in the best manner that I can. To study, to communicate, to get ready for this message. I believe when the choir sings or the gathering band plays... I want them to do it to the best of their ability. I I do. But my preaching, the singing, the worship, all the things that we do should not be based simply upon professionalism. It should be based upon our total need and dependence upon a holy God to speak to our hearts and lives and make a difference. In our churches, we have deemed professionalism as our goal and we have missed the power of God. Even when it comes to our prayers and our prayer lives. Listen, I think some of us are so intimidated to pray before other people or maybe even come to the altar. We're so concerned about the social norms and what's going on. We miss the power of God. Think about the architecture of the church for a moment. Whether you're in the gathering or you're here in the sanctuary, basically you have a central place in evangelical churches where the word is spoken. Let's say a pulpit or a lectern. Why do we put it center? In evangelical churches, we put it center because we believe that the word is center to all that we do. It is central to our services. Obviously, I take up the most time. Jeremy reminds me of that often. Because we believe that the preaching, the teaching of the word is central to what we're doing. We have people, whether it's the orchestra, the choir, the gathering band, whatever it is, we have them positioned to lead us. Because somehow we believe it is important to worship. And something we have forgotten is we have an altar. Now, I'm not saying to you all to run here every Sunday. I'm not saying that to you. And I'm not saying you can't pray elsewhere. Guess what? I can teach elsewhere. We can sing elsewhere. We can do all of that. But there's sometimes a moment where the church of the Lord Jesus Christ needs to come together, and they just, they just need to cry out in need. And not be so concerned about all the social norms of the day. This guy, when he had a need, he came at midnight. He knocked on the door and he persisted. Yes, it may have been shameful for that day and age for him to ask at midnight. But he wasn't concerned about how he would look before other people. All he knew was he had to have help. I say to you, we as the church, we need to once again... Return to that place where we come before Him. Not based upon cultural expectations, but based upon His expectations. We pray. We keep up the praying. We keep up the praying because we continue to have need. Listen, the second truth is we keep on praying Because we know our Heavenly Father honors persistence. He honors our keeping on, keeping on. We keep on because we know He delights in that. How do I know that? Because of what I see here in this scripture. And also, later in Luke, there's a parable that's given. Chapter 18. I'm not going to read it for you. I hope that you'll take it and read it later, maybe this afternoon or this evening. Luke 18. Jesus tells another parable. It's about this widow who comes before an unjust judge. And the widow is seeking justice. She wants this judge to do something on her behalf. The scripture says of this judge that he he has no regard for God nor man. So in other words, he's not concerned about what is right. He's not concerned about all those things. But if you listen to Jesus' stories, he tells it. He says that this judge, this unjust judge, relents to the pleas of the widow because she continues, she persists. And this specifically is what Jesus says in Luke 18 as he gives us the explanation. He said, hear what the unjust judge said. And shall God not avenge his own elect who cry out day and night to him, though he bears long with them? I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? What he says is, if an unjust judge would listen to persistence, think about how your heavenly Father, who is so morally pure, so morally superior to this judge, how he would hear the persistence and the pleas of his people. And he will move on their behalf. I heard a pastor one time say, you know, when you come and you pray about something, you, you, you come to the altar perhaps and you just lift it to God, he said, leave it there. Don't ever worry about it and pray again on that issue. Now, I do believe that we need to trust God. I'm going to talk about that in a moment. But when I look at the New Testament... I don't see this idea of, like, leaving it. I see the idea of persisting in it, of keeping it up, of continuing to pray about these issues that are on your heart and in your life. You keep praying. I'm not talking about vain repetition. I'm not talking about this idea of the pagan God who somehow loves our eloquent speaking and our continued repetition. That's not, um, not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about continuing to bring your heart and desire before God and laying it out there before Him and persisting in your prayer. God loves persistence. Why? Why would He respond to persistence? I mean, our God could answer any moment, right? First time we prayed, He could answer. Why does He enjoy delight in persistence? Maybe it's because of the faith that is built. There in Luke 18, it talks about the faith of this woman who continues on. Perhaps that's it. Perhaps he's trying to grow us in who we are. As we pray, as we think about it, God grows us and sanctifies us. Maybe that's the reason. T.W. Hunt, which is written so, he has written so much on prayer. T.W. Hunt said, Perhaps it is to give us time... To see what we really want in our prayer and what God really wants for us through prayer. In other words, it's the idea that God gives us time to conform to His will through our prayer. Perhaps. I can't give you a solid answer. All of these things make a difference. But I want you to know that what I see in Scripture is that God honors persistence. And He calls us to persist. I love this. Richard Baxter, the old Puritan preacher of England. He spoke these words. I read it several, several weeks ago. I got so excited about it. I shared it with a few different folks. I've been trying to hold it back because I've been wanting to use it on Sunday morning. Because Listen to the illustration Baxter gives. He says, It was among the Parthians the custom that none was to give their children any meat in the morning before they saw the sweat on their faces. And you shall find this to be God's usual course, not to give His children the taste of His delights, till they begin to sweat in seeking after them. Think about it a moment. One of the things perhaps God is wanting to do in our hearts is to prepare us so that we will sweat after His desires and His delights, that we will long for it more than anything else. And perhaps that's what he teaches us in our hearts and lives. And when he sees the sweat of our, of our delights, the sweat of our desires, he answers. He, again, E.M. Bounds said, God would have his children unalterably, in earnest and consistently bold in their efforts. Heaven is too busy to listen to half-hearted prayers or to respond to hasty, thoughtless calls to God. In other words, when we persist, when we know that's our need and we come before him and we we just lift it up to him, he honors that persistence. So what? As we think about how our keeping on reflects the need we have, how our keeping on is honored by the God above, by our heavenly father, we ask ourselves, so what? So what? The so what is answered I think in verses 9 through 13. Jesus again speaking to his disciples, he said to them, ask and it will be given to you, seek and you will find, knock and it will be open for you. For everyone who asks receives, he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it will be opened. If, if somehow your persistence grows out of your need and your persistence is honored by God, just keep on. Verse 9, those verbs, all in the present tense. You could translate it something like this. Go on asking. Go on seeking. Go on knocking. In other words, you just keep going. You, you just keep praying. Luke 18, that parable I gave you a moment ago. There, the reason Jesus gave that parable, it says in the Scripture, he spoke a parable to them that men always ought to pray and not lose heart. In other words, he gave it to them to say, hey, you keep praying. Keep asking. Keep seeking. Keep knocking. Keep it up. And that's really what I want to say to you today is, so we come to a place of closing is that We just need to keep it up Prayer should not be a focus just because it is a sermon series Prayer should not just be something that invades our life temporarily We should keep praying And there are days when you will want to give up Listen Jesus, again, told that story so they would not lose heart. They would not faint. There will be days when you feel like you have prayed for something so much that you want to say, that's it, God, I'm through. And I want to say to you, keep praying. There are days when you think that job will never come in your life. I say to you, keep praying. There will be days when you think that this physical issue will never be answered by God. I say to you, keep praying. There will be days when you feel like your husband or your wife, how they will never follow God like you think they should. I say to you, keep praying. And yes, there are days when you think your son will never come back to the Lord. There will be days when your sister, you believe she'll never give her life to Christ. I say to you, Keep praying. Don't give up. Don't grow tired. Don't faint. Persist in your prayer. And trust God. Because what Jesus said is, you can trust your Heavenly Father. We trust so many of our parents, our moms today. We celebrate. We thank God for so many of them. We thank God for our dads. And what Jesus said was, our Heavenly Father is much superior to any of them. He said, if you think that they would give you what was right, let me assure you that your Heavenly Father will always work on your behalf and for your good. So you can ask and you keep asking. You can keep seeking, you can keep knocking. And just trust God to answer in His own time and His own way because as a good Father, He's going to give you what is Best for you. As he looks at your life, for the Christian prayer becomes the place we rise above our fears of present circumstances into a radical trust of God's care and love. Our Heavenly Father, would you trust Him? Would you keep praying? Persist daily in your prayers Let's pray together. Father, we pause this moment. And God, on our, in our hearts and lives right now, there are many of us that have prayed. We've cried out. We've begged. Maybe it's for the salvation of family members. Maybe it's for healing. God, maybe it's for financial provision in our lives. God, I pray that we would not lose heart. I pray, Lord, we would recognize the need, yes, and that we would come before you, and, Lord, we would not be bound by social norms or cultural expectations, but, Lord, we just pour our hearts out to you and that we just... Lord, keep it up. Keep our praying up. Father, I pray that you would hear the prayers of your people. And that as we persist, as we cry out, as we beg, Lord, that you would honor that persistence in our hearts and lives. Grow us through that prayer process. And Lord, help us as we see your answers in your time. God, I pray specifically today, Lord, that you would continue to give us as a church a heart for this community and beyond. Lord, we pray collectively as we persist in this, as we continue, that you would give us Ruston, that you would give us, Lord, the surrounding areas, that you would give us the state, that you would give us the nations themselves, for your glory. Will you pray it in Jesus name?